Welcome to the Songwalk Echoes podcast. I'm Jeff Peterson, inviting you to join Soundwalk Echoes founder Don Prisby and me as we recall the beauty of our Catholic legacy through music, art, scripture, and story. Let's take a song walk. In the early morning, before the sun rose over the mountain, I found myself walking alone again along a winding road wondering which way I should go I sighed and as the light streamed across the valley floor no longer alone I heard my brother cry behold we're going to Jerusalem Receive your sight, leave all your things behind. Rise up and follow, we may be there tomorrow. Come you sinners and you poor, you crippled and you tax collector. Come, follow, faith will be. All my life's a journey In many ways I cannot see the signs And standing along this winding road I still can't find the way to go Walking alone, the darkness closed my eyes And as the light streamed across the valley floor No longer alone, I heard my brother cry. Behold, we're going to Jerusalem. Receive your sight, leave all your things behind. Rise up and follow, we may be there tomorrow. Come, you sinners and you poor, you crippled and you tax collector, come, follow. Faith will be your guide. He had given them new sight. They were walking on new legs. He was curing the people drawing near. He was talking to the children. He said, come, be like the children. But I was paralyzed in my cautiousness and fear. Jerusalem, why is it that you're calling him? Why am I so afraid? Let go of these plans I've made. Jesus, I've wandered through the night. Master, let me receive my sight. Behold, we're going to Jerusalem. Receive your sight. Leave all your things behind. 
rise up and follow. We may be there tomorrow. Come, you sinners and you poor, you crippled and you tax collector, come, follow. Faith will be your guide. Come, follow. Faith will be your guide. Wow, that is uh, <clears throat> that is Songwalk founder author, songwriter, and uh, minstrel, uh, Don Prisby, with Faith Will Be Your Guide. Uh, an original work composed and performed beautifully here uh, to give sound to the second of uh, Song Walk Echoes ideals or principles here, uh, which is conforming to the anointed. Uh, we're going to spend the first season of the Song Walk Echoes podcast going through each of Songwalk's five ideals. So uh, y'all can literally stay tuned now for three more upcoming episodes after this one. Uh, and all episodes, uh, just like everything in the Songwalk Echoes platform, is presented through the four dimensions of music, art, story, and scripture. Although not necessarily in that order as we, uh, but we <laughs> did start with music there. Don, yep. that was amazing. That was so beautiful. And um, both both of us were getting choked up there a little bit here. You playing and me and Thanks. me listening. So conforming to the anointed. Tell us, tell us about what that means and how that song, that beautiful song, um, relates and really helps to sort of introduce the principle here for all of us. You bet. Well, thank you for having me this morning. You know, the last episode we talked about aligning with the Creator, coming out of chaos to being made in the image and likeness of goodness. And now, in terms of our moral decision-making, we consider ourselves as Catholics and Christians as people who are conforming to the anointed. Now, I'm using the word anointed. You know, why don't you say Jesus? Why don't you say Christ? Mm. Well, we do refer to Jesus as Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed. So, I'm, for our sake, I'm just calling, referring to Jesus as the anointed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but what is it in our lives now as Catholics, when we are baptized into a relationship with the anointed, and we are, we are anointed as priest, mm -hmm. prophet, and king, or as people who sanctify, people who teach, and people who serve. So we're, uh, we are... We are, we are brought into that relationship with the anointed, with that baptismal mandate. We go through the, the sacraments of baptism, Eucharist, mm -hmm. confirmation, reconciliation. We might get married. We might live a life of single life or ordained ministry. But what does it mean to be conformed to the anointed? Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that today. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I love about that song too, and, and just the visual and of the, obviously for folks that are familiar with the scripture. I mean, you, you've heard that story, and now put 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 to put to song, and 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 that's where the the blind man is not simply. And I love the distinction you make between being confirmed and conformed. So it's not that the blind man or any of us are just looking to 
you know, sort of get certified, you know, get this, because the blind men believed, right? I mean, that's why he called out in the first place. That's not, he wasn't looking for validation that Jesus was who he said he was. He wasn't looking for some kind of like graduation certificate to say, yep, you believe and you've, you've gone through all the things. He was looking for conforming, bring me in, you know, heal me, not just so that I can see, but so that I can that I can live as you live, you know? And I think that's what I love about this principle here is it's not just, again, it's not just rote, like, yep, you did this, 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 this. It's not some recipe. Conformation is about, it's about actually the, um, the, the behavior of, of the banquet, not just getting all the right food there. Right, know? right. And it's ironic that we're hearing this story from a blind man. Yeah. A blind man who probably saw more than those around Jesus who could actually see. Mm-hmm. So he has this sense of an inner conversion. I want to see. There's there's something about Jesus that to which I want to conform. Yeah. And he reaches out to him, Master, let me receive my sight. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, as he says in every one of the refrains, come follow faith will be your guide. Yeah. I also loved, and I appreciated you sent me the lyrics in a little bit of advance so I could kind of pray over them. And I love, I love the line and, and how in that song you turn the microphone, if you will, <clears throat> from the blind man to yourself or the, or the singer, whatever, or the listener. When, when you write, you know, I was paralyzed in my cautiousness and fear. And for so many of us, and what I, what sparked to mind is all the you know the story, another story in the, in the in the Bible about Jesus healing the paralytic, and and how that healing, similar to the blind man that you just sung about, is yeah. There's a physical healing there. There's a physical remedy to what was ailing those two, um, the paralytic and, and the blind. But that line in your song, I was paralyzed in my consciousness and fear, that healing is also beyond the physical, it strikes me. You know, it, it really is this, you know, it's the healing from the cautiousness. It's this release of the, the, the almost constraints we put on ourselves to hold us back. Thank you for that observation. We'll see that same paralysis in our art exhibit today when we look at the calling of saint matthew and we'll see that same paralysis in the story of the rich young man Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. and you're right it's not a physical paralysis it's it's psychological it's spiritual it's emotional it's egocentric what is it that's paralyzing us to not wanting to conform to the anointed yeah yeah last last point on the on the music um because again i just think that was so beautiful and, and beautifully done a fairly uh a fairly simple song you know like when you just when as a as a writer uh you've written so many songs uh this one what i was moved by is the simplicity of it i mean not a lot not a you know you had one little kind of chord uh, thing in there that was like hey that's kind of a cool turn but but i felt as a listener that the the um the the space that you as the writer of, of that 
gave give that song it it helps the story to really sort of you just sort of dwell in the story you know it, what, how conscious were you writing that um of making sure that like was it was it was it always this sort of sort of austere notion in your mind when you wrote it or cuz i just think it serves the message so well that it's a that it's a simple presentation you know the lyrics and the music always are in a an interesting dynamic as a songwriter some most of the time the lyrics come first and then the music complements that so for instance in that song mana that we sang in our first episode mm-hmm. that structurally is a major 1 a major 2 and a major 4 going back to a major 1 it, it's just a very uplifting joyful yeah. chord progression and it worked for those words mm-hmm. but this song just it did require something that had minor chords in it that was very contemplative and i can't understand that or explain it jeff Mm. it's just given to me after i write the words i I, i'm drawn to what the melody well and it sounded like a walk too Mm. i mean it sounded like a like it's just sort of a you know kind of ambling along and as they're on the road and so it's just very i just thought it was so sorry for folks out there, sorry to geek out there on the actual music no. <laughs> construction of it, but I think that lens and what I love about everything that you've done with Songwalk is these four dimensions, music, art, scripture, story. It helps everybody get into the principle however they can, you know? So mm. if, they, if, they, if they, no pun intended, resonate uh, with more of the, the audible notion of it, then I think that's, that song serves it, serves it very well. Thank you for those observations. <clears throat> Moving on then to another uh, part of the, another element uh, of our, of uh, the song walk structure, if you will, is scripture. And so the scripture passage uh, that has been identified for this uh, second principle is very familiar for, for anyone, uh, whether you've read the Bible or just been to church, you've heard this one at least once every three years. And it's the parable of the rich young man it comes from Matthew. Uh, chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, and it says, Now someone approached him, approached Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good must I do to gain eternal life? He answered him, Why do you ask me about the good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He asked him, Which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall not kill, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man then said to him, well, all of these I've observed. What do I still lack? Here comes the punchline, everybody. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So Don, uh, again, like I said, such a familiar passage, one that all of us, I guarantee all listeners, when we, when we hear this uh, in church or when we read it, we're always like, oh man, that sounds way too familiar to me. Like I'm way, and I'm not a rich young man, but you know, that's what I struggle with. So talk about how you identified that passage to be so perfect for this principle of conforming to the anointed. In my experience of 
trying to understand moral formation and the way we make moral decisions. I was drawn to John, John Paul II's encyclical letter, Veritatis Splendor, which means the splendor of truth. And in that Pope John Paul II, this was back in 1993, I think, he, he was trying to describe, well, well, we want to form ourselves as moral people, and we want to make moral decisions. We want to be oriented to the good. Mm-hmm. We want to be made in the image and likeness of goodness, like we talked about yeah. in our, our last episode. But how? How do we do that? And it was Pope John Paul II that, that in chapter one of that book, he referred to the story of the rich young man as an example. And it's so moving. And I feel so much empathy for the rich young man, probably because I identify that in my own life too. Mm-hmm. He, he says to Jesus, what do I have to do to merit or, or inherit eternal life? What, what a strange question coming from a person that's materially wealthy. Yeah. He wants to know, how do I go from the what to the how? How do I go from this is just not enough for me to something about you, Jesus, I want to conform to? How do I do that? And Jesus says to him, Jew to Jew, well, do you keep the commandments? Well, yes, I do. Later, we learn Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy the law. Mm-hmm. I came to fulfill it. Yeah. And let's believe that the rich young man, somehow in his heart, maybe like the blind man at Jericho, he had a little vision about Jesus. I want to give up material wealth. I want to conform myself to the new law. Jesus says, sell everything you have and conform to me. Follow me. And he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it. And, and I wanted to yell out, phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the audience. Yeah, because exactly. that's in Matthew, but also in Matthew are the Beatitudes. Yeah. And, and, and that also referenced by Pope John Paul II in chapter one of this, of this encyclical is the roadmap yeah. of how the rich young man could have begun to conform his life. But as you and I know, Jeff, unless we're... Unless we're ready, yeah. right? Unless we're we're ready to make that decision, those those opportunities can go by us. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes that it can be confusing in terms of well, how would we do that? Yeah. Because we are called in many scripture stories, like that one this morning at mass, um, to a new way of seeing, a new way of being. But. How, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. I, I can hear the rich young man saying, how, how, how do I do that? If, we, if you and I were to look at our own baptisms, baptisms and say, well, it's, well, we could be, do it by being priest, prophet, and king. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our baptismal mandate. But, but how? Yeah, yeah. And, and in, in following Pope John Paul II's teaching, the how seems to be, expressed through the Beatitudes. Yeah. And we can visit that later. Uh, well, no, that's actually, there's a perfect segue no. here because that is actually, I think, you know, in your identification of both the Veritatis Splendor, the encyclical from, from Pope John Paul II, and then also the Beatitudes, to me, they do strike me as the how. Like, if you then are, are struck with, okay, I'm, I'm in, 
you just don't know where to start. I mean, the encyclical, let's, let's start there, because, you know, and I'll have to admit, I was not familiar with the encyclical before uh, becoming aware of, of, of all this great work that you've done. And so for folks listening, this is, as Don was saying, this was written back in 93, largely in response to a lot of the moral questions that the church was trying to wrestle with after Vatican II. And, and so Pope John Paul wrote this. This is not like a, uh, yeah, even though we're talking about it in the story, little segment here, this isn't like a bedtime story. This is fairly dense work. And, it's, and I think it was fairly um, revolutionary, but it was, it, it's, it's work that has really defined a lot of Catholic teaching and living because it did tackle very practical how you should live, you know, matters. The moral, the moral life, you know, and and so, um, so talk about how this because there are so many great things in here, Don, that that really support not even just this principle of the song walk, uh, uh, but really all of what song walk is is about, which is that moral kind of grounding and 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 how we can find it. If we position ourselves now as men of faith and to our audiences of, as men and women of faith, mm-hmm. that we came out of chaos and were created in the image and likeness of goodness, and we do have that, that innate feel that we want to create, we want to be agents of goodness, we want to create a narrative of goodness, and we find ourselves in our Catholic lives being conformed to the anointed, Let's look at the Beatitudes. Let's look at the Beatitudes as one author said, these are the autobio- this is the autobiography of Christ. That, I'm going to take some time and, and take a look at that, I said to myself years ago, <laughs> where I want to not just go through a checklist of I did this, 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 and this, but I'm developing an ethic for my life, an ethos that I live by, much like when Jesus said to the rich young man, do you follow the commandments? Do you live by that ethic? And he said, I do. Here's a new ethic. Hmm. You know, come follow me. Mm-hmm. And it would be the roadmap in looking at the Beatitudes. It's so profound. The first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. Rich young man, poor in spirit. Yeah. What does that mean? And, and I want to run through a few of those with you as I have prayed them over the years and developed an ethic for my life in terms of how do I get in a time of crisis, either in business or in marriage or in making a resolution for a new year, how do I balance myself on the Beatitudes? Poverty in spirit is the first one. And poverty in spirit is one of those foundational, it's foundational to the rest of the Beatitudes. When we become poor in spirit, not poor like destitute and I've given all my wealth and resource and assets away. No, it's not that. It's poverty in spirit. Am I empty? Am I empty of my anger? Am I empty, empty of my arrogance? Am I empty of my vindictiveness or my intolerance or my self-importance? How can I become empty? Imagine a jar that you just dump out. Let all the stuff come out yeah, of that jar. Yeah. It's an empty jar. It's now ready 
to be filled. Yeah. So the first beatitude is so foundational. How am I, how do I exhibit poverty in spirit? Next is meek. How am I meek? And meek, just like prudence that we talked about mm -hmm. in an initial introductory uh, piece together, meekness is not weakness. Mm -hmm. Jesus was meek. Jesus had a sense of understanding who he was. And that's why the meek shall inherit the earth, because they already, in, they already own themselves. Yeah. So today, in this conflict, how will I be meek? How will I be confident in the person that I am? Next, mournfulness. Mournfulness is not, oh, woe is me. Mournfulness is blessed are those who console others. Blessed yeah. are those who will carry the burden and the success of others. Yeah. Next, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Or as we talked about from episode two on the, on the first principle of goodness, how do I hunger and thirst that goodness would happen in this exchange, in this business conflict, in this conversation with my wife, in my raising of my children, how will goodness prevail? I will hunger and thirst that that happens. Mm -hmm. Next, blessed are the merciful. Mercy comes from the same words as merchant, mercantile. It's an exchange. Yeah. But to be merciful is to be unconditional. Also, merci, gratitude comes from the same, is the same, derived from the same root. So how can I be unconditional? The last two that I'll go over is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I ask myself, how will I see God today? Mm -hmm. How will I see goodness today in my interactions? And last is, blessed are the peacemakers, and I think about that as blessed are the peace seekers. Hmm. Because really, we don't make peace. Yeah. Peace exists, but do we seek it? Yeah. So those, I just went through seven of the Beatitudes as an ethic. Oh, that the rich young man would have seen that. Because <laughs> that could have been the how for his what. Sure. Yeah. But he walked away. Now, I would like to think that one day the rich young man turned again and said, can I come back to this? Mm -hmm. yeah. I yeah. heard the Beatitudes. Yeah. How can I conform to you in that way? And if I could become poor in spirit, sell all you have and follow me. Yeah. Lord, I would do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it is so powerful. And, and when we have the time to, like you, like you do, and, and as you're encouraging through, Identifying the Beatitudes as in part attached to this principle, you know, the, 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 the map is there, the, 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 the guide is there. And actually, um, while it is consoling to have such clear now sort of like directions on how to do it, what it also does I, to me is it actually takes then the initial resistance and and sadness that the rich young man had about you know selling everything and, and following me all he all he was thinking about was well i got a lot of stuff like i got i got a lot and so you don't want me to get rid of all of it and follow you and if you really think and pray over the beatitudes it's changing the entire game okay the entire currency of living 
Whereas, and, and ironically then, so the rich young man who couldn't move on because he had a lot of stuff, okay, the stuff, that's nothing. Like, it's literally nothing. Like, that, so walking away from that in the context of the Beatitudes is actually easier to do than <laughs> signing up for the, the, the kind of the new currency, the new economy that the Beatitudes sort of present. And I think it's important when we look at the Beatitudes as the new law, mm-hmm. as Jesus said, I didn't come to yeah. abolish the old law, but to fulfill the new law. To our listeners who might be of the Jewish faith, which is so critical to us as Catholics, yeah. it, it, they, we are wed to our Judaic background. The Ten Commandments that we know that Jesus and the rich young man spoke about mm-hmm. The first three, which relate to how we revere God, and the the next seven that relate to how we organize our society and live live in order with one another. Jesus is not abolishing that. He's bringing it forward in a new light, a new ethic. So we as Christians and Catholics, we embrace the Ten Commandments, and we express those to which we are also obligated in the Beatitudes. And also in a later episode, Jeff, we'll also, we could go to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are again, a way for us to conform to Christ because it was Isaiah who said, there's the Messiah's coming and he'll be known by these seven gifts. Ooh, that's a future. <laughs> that's that's right. a future episode, yeah, Jeff. That's a long tease there, everybody there from Don. All right, well, hey, transitioning to the fourth element for today's uh, episode and for today's principle is to sort of talk about art. So you've identified a wonderful piece uh, of, of art. It's uh, The Calling of St. Matthew, um, which for folks, just as a reminder, uh, even though this is an audible uh, medium, uh, what you can do is go to go to wherever you're getting this, wherever whatever platform you're streaming this from. If you look at the thumbnail for this episode, uh, you'll see the um, the painting uh, that uh, that Don selected here uh, called "The Calling of Saint Matthew." So, talk a little bit about um, it's just a beautiful piece uh, and with a lot, as all good art has, a lot packed into the little picture that we're looking at here. First of all, when I lived in Rome, I was just surprised at the treasures that were all over Rome that nobody knew about. Yeah. You know, we talked about your visit to the Sistine Chapel and seeing the ceiling, right? But throughout Rome, there are pieces of wonderful art that are just hidden in churches that you would never know about. And this Caravaggio piece, The Calling of St. Matthew, I found in a little church off the Piazza Navona. And I learned later that actually Pope Francis, as a young student, would also find that church and mm. also gaze at that at that uh, beautiful painting. But it just strikes me that it's so accessible. Yeah. It's right there in this little little nook in this church. But the calling of, of, of St. Matthew is so powerful because as we look at, at Matthew as another subject who is called by Christ— you know, we, we, we talked about the, the blind man who initiated his, his desire to, uh, to conform to Christ. We talked about the rich young man who also initiated his desire but couldn't quite finish it. And now you have Matthew who in this painting portrayed by Caravaggio is actually astonished 
that Jesus is pointing at him. Mm. So the picture, as you may be looking at it on the thumbnail, Jesus and Peter are standing off to the right as you're looking, and they're pointing at Matthew. And, and you follow the fingers and follow the light coming into this dark room, and it's pointing right at Matthew. Yeah. And what is Matthew doing? He's, he's looking at them like, certainly not me. <laughs> and he's pointing to the young man at the end of the table yeah. whose head is down. Mm-hmm. He's saying, it, it must be him. Yeah. Either please be him, <laughs> right? <laughs> or you, it can't be me. I'm a publican. I'm a tax collector. Yeah. How can this be? No, it is you. Mm-hmm. That's so profound, and there's so much in that, in that wonderful painting from the use of light, the use of, uh, of how they're clad. Jesus is barefoot, which suggests that he's standing on holy ground, mm-hmm. where all these tax collectors have these wonderful shoes on if you peek under mm-hmm. the table. So there's that. There's that ambiguity, that inherent ambiguity of, well, who's being called? Yeah. Because they're pointing, yeah. and Matthew's pointing beyond him. But yeah. no, it's you, Matthew. But the coolest thing, back to our conversation in our last episode about the Michelangelo fingers pointing, is that if you look at at Jesus's finger, it's slightly bent, just like Adam's finger was bent in the Michelangelo painting. And it's said that Caravaggio, who was named after Michelangelo, Michelangelo Caravaggio, used that technique of the bent finger to show that Jesus was the new Adam. And that fits also into our conversation today about the Decalogue and the the Beatitudes, Mm -hmm. the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament, the Old Law and the New Law. You see, Jesus now in the Caravaggio picture is the new Adam. And he is now calling Matthew, yeah. who would then be a writer of one of the Gospels. Yeah. All right, so we are we're we gotta wrap this, we gotta land this plane down. This has been a nice long episode here. It's fantastic. We could go on all, all afternoon uh, just on this one principle. But you know, as as uh, as listeners, uh, if you've been uh, if you've been listening to the first couple episodes, you know that we close every episode here with something that we call the Song Walk Echo Point, where it's a challenge, I know, for Don here, but we have to kind of sum up everything <laughs> into one kind of takeaway. So what would, be, what would be the takeaway that you'd leave people with? Let's not tackle all of the Beatitudes, but I invite us to think about the first Beatitude. Mm. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah. Either read that or pray about it, And reflect on what does that mean for your life. What is the wealth that you have, either materially or psychologically or emotionally? What what is that wealth? Maybe that anger that is so delicious and that Mm -hmm. victimhood feeling that we might have that is so tasty. What would it be like to let that go? What would it be like to make space for grace? By letting that go, becoming poor in spirit, to let our spirit be poor. Let's reflect on that. 
And if you wanted to, since last week I invited you to read part three of the Catechism, you could read chapter one of The Splendor of Truth. There we or go. John good. Paul II's yeah. very top is Splendor. And while you say it's very uh, weighty, it's also very readable. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, those are a couple of ideas. I think those are, that's very good homework. And uh, so thank you, Don, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Songwalk Echoes podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, and in the meantime, keep a song walk in your heart for the beauty and the brilliance of our Catholic faith. You've been listening to the Songwalk Echoes podcast. For small group resources related to this podcast and more, visit songwalkechoes.com.